here today with an interview with Elizabeth Pierce. Um, she's with a company called SimSoil, and we had actually done a uh, podcast last year sometime, and she's uh, come up with some new developments, and uh, things seem to be progressing, so we figured we would catch up again and uh, learn some more about the work that she's doing in terms of uh, really helping to fix the, the problem we're having with soil and helping in terms of addressing the climate change issue. So, Elizabeth, thanks for taking the time to uh, chat today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about your background and also um, a little bit about SimSoil and kind of the work that you do. And you're based in uh, California, right? Northern California, although we hope to be in Southern California and Colorado within the next uh, 12 to 18 months. So you've been working on with a number of different um, places in terms of trying to Im improve the mix and improve the quality. What are some of the things that's happened since we last talked? So what's what's the difference between biochar and compost? Like what's what's the difference there? Essentially, carbon, pure carbon. 
that is created through a process called pyrolysis. Basically, the woody material of a plant is heated to the point where all of the hydrocarbons are driven off and used to uh, create the flame that keeps the entire process hot. So you end up with this inactive carbon that has a half-life in excess of a thousand years. It, it truly is a stable product that can be used to condition the soil. And the reason it's a great soil conditioner is because just like the living material, it has small holes and pockets which create great homes for the microbes. The challenge is that when you first put it in the ground, if you take raw biochar and put it in the ground, it rapidly absorbs all the microbes, all the nutrients, and will literally starve the plants oh. until it becomes conditioned and activated. So what we've done is we buy biochar from a number of sources, and we activate it, uh, condition it, and then infuse it with the biology, and particularly the fungal um, spores, so that once it's put in the ground, it immediately goes to work for the benefit of gardeners and farmers and uh, for the benefit of the plants. So basically, your what's the nature of like what you do? You have like the fungus in like little jars in a lab that you add to add to bags. I mean, is it just collections of bugs that you're that you're kind of infusing into it? How do you how do you do that? Keep that. solution that can be poured out of the bottle. Yeah. Um, we call those bug-in-a-jug uh, products because the bugs are grown in the laboratory. The challenge is that to grow the microbes under laboratory conditions that are optimal for the reproduction and optimal for packaging and shipping, the bugs themselves are not very hardy when you turn yeah. them loose in the wild. They may help um, briefly, but they pretty quickly die off. In contrast, our approach is to uh, source them in the wild. We use a particular type of composting technique that was originally developed by Dr. Elaine Ingham, and we actually have a patent on our process because we've supplemented it with ideas from permaculture, from Korean natural farming, from academic research, and then from things we've learned. But very simply, we create compost in a very specific way that uh, takes a certain degree of expertise. My team has between them about 50 years of composting experience. We then take that product and we farm the microbes under, literally on a farm, in under uh, natural conditions, and then we blend that into commodity compost, which is a low-value agricultural input. We have to rebuild the complete ecosystem, so there's a number of steps to getting all seven forms of life present in the product. And then you have a higher value agricultural product for which there is enormous demand and where there is a chronic short supply. So essentially, there exists in the marketplace a product called soil food with compost, but it's always difficult to find, it's difficult to make, and we have to figure out how to mass produce that. And that product 
is a significant factor in carbon sequestration. Hmm. Whether you're looking at the research of the Marine Carbon Project, where they say that they can sequester 1.5 tons of carbon per acre per year, or the research out of the Rodeo Institute, where they found that using living compost, robust compost, they can sequester 2.5 tons per acre per year. We have found a way to dramatically improve those numbers. Really? To what? To what level? Um, well, there's a researcher at Cal State University, Chico, at the School of Regenerative Ag, David Johnson, who has found that fungal-infused biochar, the product that we're now selling through Amazon, is able to sequester as much as 10.27 tons per year per acre, which is obviously almost an order of magnitude. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. So what, so what, this isn't just for like, you know, passing it out to the farmers in Iowa or whatnot. This is for a specific area, right? Because I remember from our last conversation that the sim soil actually has to be geographically correct given the the kind of uh, area that it's in, right? Our goal is to become a national company. We have a strong preference for having uh, regionally specific microbes because they have adapted to the chemistry of the soil, yeah. to the weather patterns, and yeah. to the types of plants that grow there. This fungal-infused biochar um, is ready to positively impact the soil and will, over time, absorb those native uh, microbes. But it's ready to go, and we have the capability of shipping it. At this point, bagging it and shipping it almost anywhere. The, the cost of shipping makes it um, prohibitive outside of the western U.S., mm-hmm. um, unless it's a home gardener who's got a relatively small amount. We're, yeah. we're able to ship it via priority mail. So, so you're saying that the the fungal biochar is actually much more adaptive to other geographies. Absolutely, it ah. rapidly um, it rapidly pulls in uh, microbes and nutrients, and for that matter, water. It's it's um, it significantly decreases the amount of water that's needed by the plants because it holds it and retains it and makes it available to the roots. Mm. It's, it's a fascinating product. If you heat it in the oven to get the dry weight, it will change its weight between the time you take it out of the oven and the time you put it on the scale. Mm. Wow. So what what does the fungal portion add? Like, is it a specific kind of fungus or is it... organic matter, uh, which just stimulates the rest of the um, complete flora of the plant. 
What's the uh, what's the life cycle? What's the life uh, life expectancy of uh, fungi though? Like, how long does it take to go through that process of of sucking carbon out and then passing away and then kind of regenerating? amazing so i mean one of the one of the problems that this is helping address is the fact that in large farms the use of chemicals has really killed off the biodiversity inside the soil is that right One of the other, um, I know in the, the email you sent to me, the, uh, you had mentioned that there's a study done recently that said we have 57 cycles left in terms of growing food based on the quality of the soil. Like, what Can you talk about that study and what it means? Sure. So what what is the what are the issues that are basically eliminating fertile fertile soil? Like what what is causing the loss of that agricultural capacity at three soccer fields per second? Well, number one, of course, is pesticides, which are designed to kill soil hybrids. And I would argue. 
Syracuse is the second largest contributor is um, the chemical fertilizers because they essentially feed the plants um, what we think the plants need. So they're starving the soil microbes, causing them to go away. The third factor is uh, monoculture farming, which to the degree you're doing, for example, organic farming and focusing on monoculture or single crop, you're focusing on a single type of microbe or a single group of microbes and causing the rest of the microbes that comprise the complete ecosystem to be diminished or to go away. But let me go back to chemicals for a second because I think that's the most important one. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm um, chemical yeah. fertilizers. So you've, you've had the uh, SimSoil for uh, at least a year. You've been selling it and so forth. Um, have you put together studies about the to kind of quantify the impact or the numbers um, compared to what was there previously with the people that you've been able to uh, sell the soil to? Oh, 
Nice. So is there a, a time lag between kind of switching from a uh, chemical-based farm to a more natural um, fungal-based farm? Like, is there a time that it that uh, the, the soil needs to adapt or the farm needs to adapt to be that productive? Does the, um, when you have a, a farm field that's been using uh, fertilizer and chemicals for, you know, 20, 50 years, um, does, are those chemicals uh, still in the soil when you kind of deposit the, uh, the new fungal soil? Like, does that um, history or legacy of chemicals in the ground or uh, having been sprayed affect the new bugs that are being placed into the soil? Phosphate? That's amazing. Like, are there have there been studies done where you've treated some place that's been that's that's had glyphosate applied to it, where you can show the reduction of the glyphosate over time? We would love to have somebody else do those studies yeah. with our product. Um, our focus is helping farmers build their business, and yeah. we Yeah. We have a number of products that could be used by remediation firms, and we would love to. Yeah, that would be huge. But we see ourselves as just the supplier of those products. Yeah, no doubt. What? Um, so, what is your level of productivity at this point in terms of being able to produce uh, fungal biochar and and simsoil? How many units are you, or how much <coughs> capacity are you able to grow at this point? 
started two years ago, our minimum viable product, our first batch, was 250 tons. Mm. There is wow. no theoretical limit on what we can produce. We are currently taking orders for the spring of 2020, and we will um, start the process. It takes about uh, two months during the winter when it's cold. So we're starting the process now of manufacturing the material, but there is literally no limit on what we can produce. What um, is there a limit based on like how, when you grow the uh, when you're growing the the bugs in the soil? Like, is there a you have them multiply? I assume at a particular outside source so that they're um, durable, is there a limit to how much you can take out of that colony to have it still be sustainable in terms of growing further? What, what do you think about it? Let me step back and explain our business model. Yep. So our business model is, is based on the shared economy. There's a, a small number of people worldwide who are highly competent in making this particular form of compost with the oh. biological activity. There's, there's a few thousand, maybe 10,000 or slightly more, but a relatively small number of people who know how to do this. It takes in excess of a thousand hours of practice to become really competent and be able to do it on a consistent basis. Mm. So there's no way that one of these people can be employed at one farm and get enough experience under enough different conditions. So our goal is to, what our company does, is find them, hire them, and then offer them as a service to do composting on farms in an area. And then with each of the organic farms we work with, we take back a portion of the compost we create. Mm. And then in our farm, in our central hub, we actually grow these materials. Think of it as a starter batch for yeast, uh, I'm sorry, a starter yeast batch for bread, but we're doing it across seven forms of life instead of one. And then we're able to uh, grow this material and blend it into the commodity compost in a process that we have filed a patent on. So, we then are able to scale it up and sell that product to a different set of farmers who may or may not be organic, who certainly are looking at improving what's happening on their farm, and this is the easiest way to cause people to move along that continuum from conventional to organic to sustainable to regenerative bank. Wherever they are, they can move further along that path. Nice. So, I mean, but at the end of the day, it's also about, like you said, growing a local economy that is based on sustainability and regenerative agriculture instead of, you know, kind of a big ag mentality. So. Right. We are um, actually at this point in the process of writing a grant, um, grant proposal to the USDA because every one of these hubs creates eight rural jobs that will, and most of those jobs will pay more than the average agricultural wages in their area. Nice. Because it's, it's skilled labor. 
Yeah. That's awesome. Um, if somebody wants to buy some of the uh, SimSoil or the uh, fungal biochar, where would they do? What would, Where would they go? What would they do? If they're a home gardener, I would encourage them to either check out our website where you can buy half a cubic foot or Amazon where you can buy half a cubic foot. Um, that's the ideal amount to be blended into a bag of compost that you purchased at uh, your local nursery supply store. Uh, for farmers and people that are interested in larger quantities um, in cubic yard totes, I would encourage them to reach out to us either through um, our website, info at simsoil.com, or call us at 833-SIMSOIL, and you will um, be put in touch with uh, somebody who can talk to you about how we ship it, how we can get it to wherever you are. The product at this point can travel by common carrier, so literally we can deliver the product anywhere and we'll be able to talk about the most cost-effective way of doing that. That's awesome. Uh, Elizabeth, it's, um, it's always good to kind of hear what you're doing in terms of just getting into the dirt and, and making real change happen. Uh, it's just awesome. So I appreciate your uh, taking the time to uh, chat today. Thank you for the time. Awesome. So um, we will chat again as uh, the spring uh, approaches and uh, look forward to hearing more good news. Thank you. Thanks. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you.